Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. It is the Left of Straight Show, and I am your host, Scott Fullerton. I appreciate you listening. It is Thursday, May 21st, 2020. We are almost at the weekend, and it is going to be a weekend here in Northeast Ohio. As I've been saying, things are opening up today. It was officially allowed for indoor dining at restaurants now there's not everyone participating right away and i wanted to get out today but i had a couple of pre-tape interviews to do and just did not have time to leave the house but i wanted to drive down and just see what the restaurant parking lots were like and see what happens i'm going to talk a little bit more about that my first guest in a bit because he's been in the restaurant industry and that's been my former life so kind of get the thoughts on that and Corona Quarantine here and see what the thoughts are. Love to know what your thoughts are. Let me know on social media or uh, give me a holler sometime. If you're not following me on social media, I hope you do. It's uh, at left of straight, L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R and the number eight on Instagram and Twitter. On Facebook, it's the Left of Straight Show page. And my personal Facebook is Scott Fullerton and it's public. So you can send me over a friend request. But yeah, I, I post all sorts of goofy stuff on there every day. So that's going on. If you missed last night's show, it was uh, amazing. Um, of course, we had J&J Buzz on. If you're not, if you haven't listened to J&J Buzz, they've been my special correspondents for the last three weeks now. Uh, they are from Nashville, Tennessee. They are fiancés. They are cute as hell. It's Josh and Jeff, and they do a pop culture minute every Wednesday for us. So yesterday they had some really interesting things that I did not know about. The first one being uh, if you're taking PrEP right now, which is a daily pill to help reduce the chance of HIV, they are, so many people are forgetting to take it daily because if you start PrEP, you have to take it daily. You can't skip. You have to take it daily. So they are in the midst of developing a vaccine to, uh, or I guess PrEP vaccine is that word. We'll call it PrEP through injection. That's only for every three months you need to get an injection. And it's in test case, it's been 69 cent, 69% more effective than taking the daily PrEP pill. So that's very promising. Uh, excited about that. So the, check out the show tomorrow. We've had the J&J Minute. 
that had three great pop culture things. That's just one of them. And then I had, for the first time on the show, you know I love him, Peter Page on. Peter Page is an icon in queer entertainment. He, of course, originated the role of Emmett Honeycutt on the American version of Queer as Folk. Of course, there was a British version before that. Then he went on to write and direct and do so many things. He's responsible for the Fosters and the spinoff of the Fosters. He did Where the Bears Are with our good friends down in Palm Springs. He's done so much great things. And he has a brand new, well, not brand new, came out on Valentine's Day, a gay rom-com, LGBTQ rom-com called The Thing About Harry on the Freeform Network. And if you want a good male um, romance rom-com, you got to go check out The Thing About Harry. It was greatly done by the lead of the gay character on Grey's Anatomy and a relatively new actor, and they both did a superb job to it. Anyway, Peter Page was on last night. I had my very first interview with him. I was starstruck a bit, but we had a great conversation. And then my buddy Ryan Carnes was on, and I love Ryan. Ryan's been in so many great things, and he's just a great guy. And uh, we talked about his music. He's doing a lot of music right now, and he is uh, got some Zoom meet and greets he's doing on May 31st. is going to be his first Zoom meet and greet. And he's also putting together an acting webinar. So that's kind of exciting. So fantastic show last night. Tonight, two more brand new great interviews in just a couple minutes. We're going to have a live interview with Brett Aaron Nichols. He's an up-and-coming actor. He's an activist. He's been doing, this was would have been his second year for the AIDS Life Cycle event from San Francisco to California uh, to L.A. And we'll talk about that and his acting. So he'll be on first live in just a few minutes. And then I had a pre-tape interview last week with an amazing LGBTQ event planner. His name is Chad Campy. He runs Flip Phone Events, responsible for the Golden Grooves, Golden Girls Cruise they had earlier this year that our buddy Stan Zimmerman and Frank DeCaro and Jim um, Colucci was on and Adam Rothenberg, we'll call me Adam. And he creates events in his home place of Minneapolis. He has drag brunches where they have to do like five shows a week because they're so popular in Minneapolis. And he also has been doing great live streaming events during Corona Quarantine. So we're going to talk to him all about what he's been doing with flip phone events. And it was a great interview. So pre-tape, but an excellent interview. You're going to enjoy it a lot. So that will be coming up very shortly. Uh, just keep announcing the Big Gay Road Trip. I'm getting some graphic. I got a little contest for some graphic art. We're putting the graphics together for it. We'll start announcing it more on social media this weekend. You're going to get sick of it, believe me. But the Big Gay Road Trip 3 is launching in July 12th through August 12th is when we'll be doing the actual shows. We'll be arriving Palm Springs Sunday, July 12th, leaving Palm Springs Wednesday, August 12th. We're going to do four weeks of shows. We're going to do at least three shows, if not four shows, and spread it out a little more social. There's a little less guests than we've done in the past. We do the big gay road trip back and forth, leave here in Northeast Ohio and drive to Palm Springs on Northern Route. I have a couple places I want to check out along the way that are going to be exciting and LGBT um, little fun facts to stop and interviews from people. And then I'm going to be driving home 
southern direction. I'm going to go through Nashville and visit a couple of our correspondents and stay at the Park Ridge Lodge in Gatlinburg, right outside of Dollywood, and hit Dollywood while I'm there. So it's going to be an exciting trip. I am going to, because it is so last minute, because we didn't know if the resort was going to open or not, uh, it's very, very, very last minute. So there's not really any funding for it. I'm going to try to put together a quick fundraiser for it. Anything you can help, $5, like a tip if you're going back out to the bars again, I would appreciate it. Anything you could do would be amazing to help pay for gas fare back and forth. I'm trying to get together with some promoters. If you own a business, an LGBT-friendly business, even a straight ally business, and you would like to put something in our swag bag that I put together every year for my guests that come down, I put a swag bag together. You usually have T-shirts and candles and scents and fun little items. So if you'd like to promote your store for six weeks on the Big Gay Road Trip, uh, reach out to me. Um, my email is scott at leftofstraight.com on the website. And I'll be posting that stuff all over social media. So I'd appreciate if you would help fund the Big Gay Road Trip for our third year. We're going to have some amazing brand new guests there this year and a lot of fun times had by all. So that'll be very cool. What else we got? Uh, Last thing here, nothing too much in the news that tickled my fancy today. They did announce Mr. Gay World Pride for 2020 virtual because they're not they're doing all World Pride virtual this year is actually the runner-up of last year's event because they didn't want to run the competition because of the social distancing and everything. So he's a 30-year-old by the name of Francisco Jose Alvarado. He's a family doctor out of Madrid. He actually contracted COVID, was out for a while, then went back to work and has been working with patients ever since. He is was the second place, as I said, last year. But uh, the person who won last year had fulfilled his one-year duties so he's going to be out um Hanjep carlos was his reign uh and so Alvarado's is going to take it this year in virtual pride so that's kind of exciting to talk about that so that will be happening we're going to play a little song now and when we come back i am going to have my first guest i'm very excited mr brett aaron nichols so listen to a little billy gilman it is billy's partner's birthday today so a big shout out and happy birthday to chris meyer and here's a little bill gilman we'll be back on the other side you'll listen to the left of straight show right here on the left of straight radio network love is in battle we build this tower this tower of babel the sabers may rattle but I'm only fighting for you You're my obsession, my love, my rival This song is a lesson, these words are survival And I'm never letting you go I'ma keep fighting Betraying, so baby, stop playing. Cause I won't be waving the white. If you're not gonna walk it, then baby, don't talk it. Your words are like bullets, but I'm wearing armor and I'm never letting you 
guys we are back that again was billy gilman who kicked off our fifth season back in march i can't believe it's been that long guys i'm so excited my next guest he came across my radar when he appeared on the astro kiki radio show last year which you know i produced he has such a great personality the best smile and it was just so fun i had to have him on the show ever since he's an actor and an advocate who's appeared in films, television, and commercials, participated in the AIDS life cycle ride. And I'm so excited to see how he's been holding up during this downtime and what he has in store for the future. So please welcome to the show for the very first time, the handsome and talented Mr. Brett Aaron Nickel. Brett, how you doing, man? I'm great. Thank you. I'm envisioning like a lot of like applause happening right now, although I know it's not. <laughs> They, across the land, my friend, across the land, they are going crazy. I am just too cheap to buy sound effects. (laughs) Feel the love. Feel the love. How are you doing, bro? Feeling it? Spreading it? Um, I'm super good. I'm doing really, really well. I'm taking advantage of, uh, you know, the time that we have inside and by myself. Um, And just trying to make the most of this situation as it is. That's good. It's it's time to be introspective. Um, it it could be a little daunting to be by yourself, but it gives you a lot of time to pause, time to reflect, time to get busy with work, and you can do all that Absolutely. in the first hour and just keep repeating, right, for the entire time. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so true, though. I feel like every day is um... – Groundhog's Day, like literally I wake up and like I, I work out and I meditate and I do some journaling and then I eat some food and then like I watch TV and then the day's over and I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> I bet. Oh, my goodness. Well, I was talking to him before you came on, my little intro here. I want to get your feeling because 
you've worked the restaurant industry, and the restaurant industry was my previous yeah. life for almost 20 years. They are opening restaurants today in Northeast Ohio, where I'm at. Uh, they opened patio dining last Thursday, and today was the first day of full indoor dining with restrictions. It's down to like half capacity, I think. What uh-huh. are your thoughts on going back into the restaurants these days? They need the business so bad. I'm still not sure what my thoughts are. What are your thoughts? Um, I mean, all of this is such a touchy, difficult subject. And I, yeah, I'll definitely share my thoughts. But I want to say, like, first and foremost, like, I believe I don't have the majority of the information that is out there. Um, sure. So what I have to say, you know, is what I have to say 100%. I'll be behind it. But, like, also, you know, whatever. Okay. Um, so I do work in – I don't know. I personally feel like it's way too early. I think that we're going to get hit with a second wave of this. Um, I think it's going to be worse than the first. Um, I think there's a lot of politics that are going on behind the scenes that a lot of people don't know about. Um, and I'm just – I don't know. My I work at a restaurant in Beverly Hills um, called Il Cello, which is a small family business, um, but like a very large, like well-known restaurant out here. Um, mm-hmm. And they're doing everything that they can in order to open up in a very safe way. And um, I just spoke to my manager the other day, and he has a lot of like protocols for how things are going to be happening and how many people are going to be in the restaurant and whatnot. Um, and so although it kind of scares me a little bit, um, since we don't necessarily have a handle on this disease quite yet, um, with all the new information coming in, it being, you know, spread through surfaces and then through the air and then through spit or saliva or contact. Um, I, I like to see businesses coming back in and I think there is a smart way to do that, um, with protocols to ensure that everyone is, um, safe healthy, happy, and these businesses are still thriving. Um, It's a fine line. I'd have to know the details of Ohio and how everyone else is doing it. Well, yeah, I'm I'm talking in general, not just Ohio, but as they open anywhere, because here's my thoughts, and I'm very much on the same page as you. Because there is so much that's not known right now and working in the business for 20 years like I did in my previous life, um, I know that there's a bunch of wackadoodles out there and people are dying to go out to eat. So I think it's going to be very busy. <laughs> and I know that you're hustling your freaking bunnies when it gets busy and you're going to be hot and sweaty and going back and forth mm-hmm. to a kitchen and doing all this other stuff. And I just think there's not enough known about it that a mask might not be enough in a dining situation. I mean, I, you carry plates. One of the restaurants I worked at, you weren't allowed to use trays. You had to carry plates. Is everyone going to have to use mm-hmm. a tray now? Are you going to sanitize the tray between just the logistics of it, I think, are really strange. And so it's going to be very tough for me to go inside dining. Outside dining, I'm a little more comfortable with. Same thing. It's going to be hotter outside, so I'm I'm worried about the sweat a little bit more. But I also think that it doesn't transfer as much outside as it does inside recycled air. So I'm honestly a little worried about it. Um, And I think we need to be very cautious and do – Keep make sure the tables stay far apart. But I so understand how hard it is for business because restaurants mm-hmm. don't make that much money to begin with as far as a profit margin. And exactly. I don't know how they've been doing it in takeout and delivery because 
how do you plan for that? How do you plan for food costs, for spoilage and things like that? It's just being on both sides. I was a manager for 12 years and a server bartender for eight. So I've been on both sides of it and it's Mm -hmm. going to be very interesting. So I'm I'm going to be, I'm going to see what happens this weekend. We'll see how it goes. I know last Thursday when they opened outside patio seating, one of the bars in Columbus, Ohio, we're literally wall-to-wall people, and you saw maybe six masks. And the next day they it's had to have police there to make sure it didn't happen because people are just insane. They, they've been cooped up. Their, their brains are warped, yeah. and they're not paying attention. So, And as you said, it's our opinion. This is, a, this is our opinion out there. One, Brett and I don't know anything. We don't know the rules. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but in my, uh, in my fair opinion, being in the restaurant business, I, I am not uh, ready to go inside dining as of yet. We'll leave it that I'm way. Either. I wouldn't. I'm honest. I mean, <laughs> maybe I'm just a shut-in, but I feel like I'm going to coop myself up for, like, the majority of this year just to continue 100% being safe until I feel like this is actually over. But I feel like small restaurants and small businesses would actually be able to do that better than, like, large corporate restaurants. Right. Right. Mm. And you've been a server and I've been a server. I mean, gross enough picking up everyone's dirty dishes to begin with, let alone now. <laughs> like, I don't want to do it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Give me a bus boy. I wasn't even thinking about that boy. from a server point of view. I was like, yeah. yeah, I would be absolutely nervous to be picking up everyone's dirty dishes. And, like, I would need a fresh pair of gloves every time I went to the table. And that's going to be cost effective or not cost effective. Exactly. Exactly. So. Interesting stuff. We'll see how Ohio goes out of the out of the gate. I think we're one of the early ones to do it smartly. There's some people that opened up early just because they didn't know what they were doing. Uh, some states, but I think they they're trying to do it smartly here, and we'll see what happens. So, anyway, I just want to have the restaurant guy's opinion. Thanks for chiming in. Only yeah, our absolutely. opinions. I need a disclaimer. I wish I had sound effects again for applause and then disclaimer. <laughs> But anyway, let's get into other things. I mean, L.A. weather, how are you holding up? Are you using your air a lot? It was hot there for a while. How's the temperature doing? So right now, right now it's absolutely amazing. Um, I just went on a walk not too long ago. It's, it is bright. It is sunny. Um, just a slight breeze in the air. I really feel like the lack of cars and people and pollution and whatnot has really done a lot for – uh, the LA environment, and I'm sure the entire world as well. Um, so it's phenomenal here. It's just like I can't get enough of the outside. I'm such like a little sun bunny. I just want to be out like laying on the beach, and that's my biggest like. Uh, uh, what I, I miss the most right now is just like laying on the beach and tanning, or even like laying in a park. I went to a park the other day to take um, a picture just for Instagram, and I knew they were going to kick me out, but I did it anyway. And um, I can't believe I just admitted that. I'm so sorry, everyone. I was wearing a mask, I swear. <laughs> um, but I was, yeah, but they, like, kicked me out. And I was like, man, I just really, I want somewhere to lay back and tan and, like, take in this sun and just relax. Um, and it would right. be the perfect time to do it because the weather is amazing. But uh, that's now, it. I've been How talking on here because I'm not a homebody. I'm very bad at being a homebody. I don't like being in the house a lot. So even during this entire time, I mean, luckily I'm in nice Northeast Ohio, so I can spread out, but I've been about every three to four days, I go out to a lake somewhere to a forest or something just to take a hike when I know one's around my mask, which I don't even really need to do out because I'm the only one there usually. 
but I have to get out in nature. I'm the exact same way. And when yep. I lived in Southern California, I was a beach boy. I was just oh. roller skating or riding a bike or laying out, like you said, doing whatever. I hear you. Exact same. Yeah, yeah. Let's start from the beginning and go to a little history or background since it's your first time on the show. Let everyone know sure. where you grew up, what kind of a kid were you, and then what oh you want goodness. to be when you first grew up. It's like if you – like all of that information, you're going to have to have me back multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I have such a story. Um and it was very interesting is I'm, I'm right now planning on how I kind of want to like tell that story to the world. And I think a lot of it will be through social media. Um, so after all this, if anyone is interested, feel free to follow me and you can like catch up and learn about me more. I really, really enjoy sharing myself and my story. Um, but so I'm like, I'm a little travel baby um, by my own accord. Um, I was born in Poughkeepsie, New York. I think we stayed there for, two years maybe less than two years no more and then my family moved to maryland um small damascus germantown gaithersburg maryland um and i lived there for uh 18 years until i went to college um as a child i oh my god i loved it was i had a really good i had well i had a really good childhood and a really traumatic childhood at the same time uh but i feel like that's normal um, yeah, I was so always, oh, go ahead. No, I just agree with you. Yeah. I mean, a childhood, it can be a uh, very traumatic and very fulfilling at the same time. So I agree hundred <laughs> percent. It is the balance of life, <laughs> but I was such a, I was a very active, creative child. I was always like putting on little skits and plays and, um, making little movies for school projects. Um, one of my, my favorite TV show of like all time is Survivor. Um, it's mm. near and dear to my heart as someone who loves like the strategy of games. And so as a kid, I would, <laughs> I would play Survivor with the kids in the neighborhood. And basically my job would be to be like Jeff Probst and like to host the entire thing and then make these little challenges <laughs> for these children. It always ended with playing capture the flag, like always, no matter what, um, and nobody ever won because there was like 10 kids. And once one kid got like voted out, you didn't want that kid to feel bad. So like he still got to play. So nobody ever won. It was just stupid fun. That's hilarious. Um, around um, like middle school, I started getting into um, acting in theater and doing stuff um, in middle school and then throughout high school, um, some community plays, some church plays, um, and then went to college, went to college for acting. Um, at East Carolina University, stayed there for um, five years, and then uh, from there, moved to Pennsylvania. (laughs) Oh, I forgot, traveling, yep. So from college, I went to Pennsylvania to work at the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair um, as an improv actor, and then I moved back to North Carolina so I could save some money, then I moved to L.A., I spent two and a half years in L.A., and then I moved back to North Carolina, and then I moved to Chicago, (laughs) and then I moved back here, and now I'm staying put. (laughs) There you go. You have been a vagabond. I like it. I like that you knew early on, though, you wanted to do acting. That's, I think that's the key to most people that I've talked that have become successful. It's something they've always wanted to do, and it keeps drawing them back, so... I think that's pretty amazing. Um, let's talk about, I don't like 
coming out stories per se, because I think that's personal to everybody. But I do like to know, when did you oh, first God. come out to yourself? And when did you first find your tribe, your LGBT tribe? Oh, my goodness. I really wish you could, like, I, like, I think I need my own, like, podcast about this entire thing because it is, it's a lot. The short of it is I came, I, I came out three times. Um, <laughs> <laughs> three times before my family was like, okay, we got it. Um, That's funny. But. And it is, and I'm such an open person. And I, like, like I said, I want to share my story. So I don't, even though it might've been tough, like I think definitely sharing what I have to say and what I went through is probably, you know, going to help one or more people. Um, so um, my coming out was very, very interesting. I actually didn't even think, I always grew up even like connecting to girls more, like just always. Um, I used to play like pretty, pretty princess with my cousin while everyone else was out doing sports. And then when people wanted to like, you know, like when rollerblading and like skating was a fad back in like the early two thousands, um, like I was not a part of that whatsoever. I didn't like, I, it's, you know, but growing up where I grew up, I was just, you know, a little off or a little different or going through a phase. Um, gotcha. So I actually, in middle school, I was raised in an area that was very, when you went to, it wasn't like set like this, but socially it's how it happened. Our middle school cafeteria was divided into basically one side was where the guys sat and one side was where the girls sat. And you obviously had multiple tables on each side, but you know, I sat with my group of guy friends. Um, and then one day I wanted to sit with a group of girlfriends that I enjoyed. Um, and so I, you know, went over there and started hanging out with them and had a good time. And then I come back the next day of school and at my like table of guy friends, there was basically like a cool side of the table and like a not cool side of the table, um, which is laughable because children. <laughs> it, right? Melissa is literally the worst, the absolute worst. Um, but the second day after I hung out with my group of girlfriends at lunch, I went back to sit with my group of guy friends and they threw all of my stuff across the table. Um, they told me I couldn't sit with them. They started calling me every homophobic slur that you could possibly think of. Um, and basically just wow. like ostracized me. Yeah. And all of this was happening before I had even like given homosexuality a thought. So... So that kind of like moves into like once, you know, when you're in middle school, you don't want to be the kid that's made fun of. So you make fun of whatever other kid is being made fun of. So now I've got right. the entire middle school making fun of me um, for being gay when I don't even think about it. Um, so I kind of uh, resorted to, and I was raised very Christian. So okay. homosexual, and it, you know, during that time, homosexuality was also, it was just like the beginnings of like coming out and like, um, being socially acceptable, but for the most part, still not okay. So, so then I started looking at porn. <laughs> like, super young <laughs> sixth graders start, started looking at porn to kind of, like, like learn about, you know, homosexuality. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, like, where I got my start as far as that is concerned. Um, you know, I have three, I have three very different um, coming out stories. Um, the first, I kind of, like, uh, my mom slightly stumbled across the porn that I was looking at and, you know, we had a talk and um, she was very much not okay with homosexuality and sat me down and said, this isn't how God 
you know, made you and we can fix this and everything's going to be okay. Um, and, you know, being like a sixth grader at that time, I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> it was like, I have all of these people at school right. telling me that I'm gay. I have all these people at home telling me I'm not gay. I was like, I don't even know. Um, so long story short, I ended up going to conversion therapy for a little while. Hmm. Um, yeah, it was a little, it was, no, it was, it was very, very tough. I'm not even going to give that any leeway. Um, it, yeah. And then after a while, I kind of, um, just like agreed and was like, okay, it's fine. It's over. You know, we're good. We're not. So <laughs> I'm sitting in a, like a, in a, in a therapy room that is, I mean, I can still envision the entire thing. It's completely filled with books and tchotchkes and, um, diplomas and, uh, scholarships and whatnot. Uh, there's like, there's one couch on one side and a couch on the other side and then a desk. And you guys don't need to know the ins and outs, but it's a very crowded room. But the only feeling that I remember feeling was like emptiness, just like completely empty and void mm. of all of these things. Um, wow. So I kind of, you know, pushed that under the rug a little bit and was like, Hey, we're fine. Phase. It was a phase. Um, I came out two more times. I don't know how much time we have, so I don't want to go into like all of the details. <laughs> um, no, like I said, the, the coming out story. I th- I like to leave that one individual. But when did you think you first found your found your tribe, your LGBT group of core friends? When did you first find one that? year ago? Where did you first find it? I I found my group of gay people one year ago. Nice. Uh, yeah, which is very interesting. I always I didn't grow up with any gay friends whatsoever. When I was in college, I was still very very scared of gay people um, because I was raised to be scared of gay people and to be scared of being gay. Um, oh, and so yeah, this is like this will be a great transition. I signed up to do the AIDS life cycle so I could meet more gay people, and that's the majority of um, the gay people that I know now. Um, and then I started doing drag after that. And so now I have some drag friends. So it kind of all just spiraled after I started the the AIDS life cycle. Wow. That is very cool. I definitely want to transition into that. Um, you did it For last sure. year. You raised money with your group. It's normally the end of May to early June. I know I took my show out to Palm Springs last year for the month of June. And we had quite a few of the riders stay at the resort I was staying in in Palm Springs. Uh, talk about, the sense of community you felt there, what the ride usually is and how it's having to be converted this year a bit. Yeah. So it's such a bummer that it's happening this year, but, um, you know, you, life brings you lemons and you learn lessons. Um, right. when I did it last year, it was, I mean, the sense of community is just absolutely insane. They have this term called the love bubble. Um, that like when you're part of the community, there's like nothing but love. And when you're on the ride, you just feel this wonderful energy the entire time. Everyone is willing to help you out. Everyone is willing to like push you up a hill if you can't get up it. Um, Someone said that they once, (laughs) just to demonstrate like the integrity of these people and the energy of the love bubble, he threw his sunglasses into basically this field where everyone was like staying at. And these fields are like, they're, packed with thousands of tents. There's like 3,000 plus people here um, staying in these tents. So he just throws them into the middle of this field. And then the next morning they're returned to him like directly, nothing whatsoever. Um, so it's, it's super supportive 
Um, and I've really developed a family from that group um, through my team, FUBAR, um, who's led by some amazing people and, um, you know, just supported by amazing people. The ride itself was absolutely life-changing. You know, you bike 545 miles from San Francisco to Los Angeles. Um, you sleep in tents. You have to, like, pack your stuff up every day. You're going anywhere from 45 miles to 110 miles a day. It's super exhausting. Um, but it's like, you know, there's just moments there that were just absolutely transformational. Um, and I would be riding by um, the – the ocean as well as these mountains and looking around and it really just made me appreciate myself and my life. And honestly, all of the people that came before me as far as the LGBT community is concerned. Um, and just kind of made me like hope that they had had chances and experiences like this um, during their lifetime. Oh, I mean, I could go on and on, but it was just such a special opportunity. And it, I believe overall we raised just about $17 million to go towards AIDS and HIV research and prevention. That is fantastic. What did you find the most challenging in training and the most challenging on the actual trip? Um, so as far as training is concerned, I ended up doing, <laughs> um, I ended up injuring myself um, about, I believe I started cha training in January and then the ride was in May. I injured myself in April on what's called a century ride, which is basically 100-plus miles. Um, and I was doing that to train for the 100-mile day on the ride. Um, unfortunately, I pushed myself too hard, and my IT bands really started acting up, which are the muscles just like on the outsides of your legs, connecting your hip to your the side of your knee. Um, right. So I started, you know, getting problems within my legs and my knees. And, you know, as I continued to train – I started to realize my legs weren't working. So I really thought that I wasn't even going to be able to ride. Um, luckily, while I was on the ride, I figured out a situation to place myself over the bike that wasn't going to hurt my IT bands as much. So just the, uh, <laughs> I guess, the eagerness to be training and to doing really well kind of screwed me over uh, physically. As far <laughs> as the actual ride is concerned, um, what was the most challenging part of that? I mean, definitely still like the, oh, just keeping a positive mindset. It's, there are times where you're just going on a straight flat surface with like nothing around you. Um, and uh, one of the days it was 113 degrees outside. Uh, so the heat oh, wow. is just like coming down on you. It rains sometimes. Um, there's just all of these elements and these different things that are going on. As we went down the, the PCH in Miami, you're like biking next to all of these cars that are just like flying past. Um, and so just the, the uh, keeping yourself going and keeping yourself motivated and saying, I can do this. And, um, you know, I'm doing this for this reason and for these people that came before me. Um, it was very tough to keep that mindset, but eventually you would find a friend and they would be able to push you to the next part and then you would separate and then it would get hard again. And then you'd find another friend and the cycle repeats. That is awesome. And so this here is going to be a virtual ride, correct? Far as I know, I think they're doing – so I had to step out of it this year um, because I'm trying to really train my legs um, and, like, restructure them so that I don't have any pain and I can um, fully do the ride next year. I know they're doing um, certain events 
like brunches, like virtual brunches. Um, there is, <laughs> there's like a, an AIDS life cycle cribs where they're encouraging people to basically like set up tents in their apartments and um, kind of like decorate them how they would on the ride and then like walk through their apartment and show off their crib. Like it was an MTV crib sort of deal. So they have that show happening. I think they have a talent show that's going to be happening like one of the days. Um, that's hilarious. Yeah. I th- they're trying as they're doing so well with what they are facing right now, just to keep this community together and thriving and to be raising this money. Um, and I'm really excited to check out uh, the different things that they're going to be doing this year. Very cool. And so you had put together, we got to talk about this birthday party to raise money for this, which sounds amazing. You threw yourself a 30th birthday party, but you made it a benefit for the uh, life cycle event. Talk about this and talk about the premiere of Carrie. I got to hear about this. It sounds Ah. amazing. Yes. I'm so excited to talk about this. Um, okay, so yeah, I just turned 30 back in January. Um, drag has always been something that I've wanted to do. Um, and, you know, when I would be like drunk at college parties, I would lip sync songs and just dance to them. And everyone, all my drag friends would be like, you need to do this. Um, and I would never allow myself because I was still so scared of being gay and allowing this side of me to come out and to, you know, share, you know, the star that I am. Right. So upon turning, I went through a lot. I went through a lot of stuff in the past couple of years, um, as far as um, inner transformation story go. And so gotcha. thirty rolls around, and I said, you know what? I like screw it. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do drag. Um, I'm going to have a lot of fun with it, and um, you know we'll do that. I wanted to. I wanted to make it part of the AIDS life cycle because the organization means so much to me. Um, and I knew that it would be a great event for people to just come out, have some fun, raise some money, um, and, you know, experience some art and some culture. So I gathered, I want to say like seven or eight different performers. We had comedians, uh, stand-up comedians. I was doing drag. I had singers. I had dancers. I had a burlesque group. Um, I had like stilt walkers, just all these different performers um, coming out. And then, of course, uh, there was the premiere of Carrie Thunderwood, who is my drag character. Um, and I love it. Oh, my gosh. She was phenomenal. She did really, really well. If anyone's listening, you can see her uh, performance on my Instagram. She has her own Instagram, but I haven't been able to, like, do any more performances as of now. So it's very, very limited. Um, but she's great. She started off as a sort of, like, country rock star, um, and then I took her more down a country path. But I really think I'm going to go more towards the rock side. I think there's kind of like this like cool, badass rock character inside of me that wants to come out and show herself. So it was a lot of fun. I raised about, uh, I think, somewhere between like $1,000 and $1,500. And we just had so much fun. And then from that, I booked more drag shows. Literally from that first show, I'm not, I got to do my horn here. I'm really good at this. I'm like really good at drag. (laughs) Um, and the very next now time talk that I about how you pick, know. how do you create a look in drag? How do you decide you're going to be the blonde? How do you decide what the makeup's going to be? What was your process and all that? So it's very interesting you ask um, because I'm kind of doing that right now. I when I first when I first premiered her and performed, um, 
I I did a song. Um, oh shoot, what's the name of it? Raising Hell by Kesha. Um, which has this line. It says, uh, "I don't want to go to heaven until I raise some hell." And it was a very. It's kind of like this party sort of like rock song, um, rock pop song. Um, and it's kind of about mixing the, you know, the Christianity and that uh, sense of like being wholesome and pure with kind of like letting wild a little bit, you know, allowing those two things to kind of exist. So the idea for that performance was to start in like, I I took a choir robe, like this pink choir robe, and I had my friend kind of alter it into this little cocktail dress obviously bejeweled it uh like up and down everywhere um i had this giant uh like cross belt buckle that had all these crystals on it as well um and then i had this huge rock hair which wasn't what i intended i was just looking for a really cheap wig on amazon um and then i handed it to oh so i had a drag queen do my makeup um since i didn't know how and i just paid her and she did phenomenal her name is selena s titties Highly recommend checking her out. Um, she's nice, absolutely hilarious. Um, so she did my makeup, and then she styled this wig. It turned out to be, like, really, really rock. But um, I basically just chose that because I wanted to – oh, I ended up taking off the choir robe in the middle of the song as a reveal, um, obviously. And then obviously. underneath that was a very – I wore a thong, and I wore, like, a black corset. And, like, it was kind of slightly – I wouldn't call it scandalous, but, you know, a little sexual. Um, and I kind of, it was kind of just a representation of me shedding this, like, outer skin of, you know, what I thought I had always had to be and who I was pressured to live like in certain situations and then just reveal, you know, the entirety of who I am and allow myself to uh, live in my body and my soul. Um, that is awesome. So that's kind of how that happened right now i'm still playing i just got a bunch of makeup and brushes in i'm really learning how to do all of that styling myself and so it's kind of just at the moment i just look through other drag queens figure out what kind of costumes i'm inspired by what kind of wigs i'm inspired by um and then i just practice makeup over and over and usually it goes terrible it goes pretty bad (laughs) i like it that's hilarious yeah we're developing and i love that you raised all that money for life cycle that's just amazing in and of itself thank you next thing i want to go to as i talked about in the intro i met you through kyle and astro kiki last year um yes i love capricorns talk about astrology and all of the witchy things that you love to talk about because i'm kind of the same way and we are fellow we are one week apart i'm december 30th and so i'm about a week before you in quite a few years, but uh, other than that, we're pretty <laughs> twinsies there. Talk you never get. You the, never get. I know, huh? Talk about how you, what draws you to that, and how fun you enjoy, kind of learning about yourself through astrology. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I only got. I always. I always. You know, raised. Okay. So let me focus real quick. I was always a very spiritual child um, in person and growing up, the only way I knew how to express that spirituality was through Christianity. Um, But obviously like being gay, like something about it was like off to me. So um, I always threw like astrology and tarot cards and mediums, like all to the wind. None of that is real. (laughs) None of it makes any sense until 
um, until I got a tarot reading in uh, Pennsylvania by one of my good friends. And she predicted all of this sort of stuff. And then she, like, she <laughs> won't go into the details, but she pointed out some aspects of my personality that I hadn't, like, told other people. And she just kind of knew things. So I got skeptical about it. And then obviously coming out to California, I was much more exposed to different forms of spirituality and um, knowledge and whatnot. Right. Um, so I kind of got into it um, when I moved back to North Carolina after the first time I had been in, to L.A. Um, my best friend at the time is very much a spiritualist, and she does tarot readings as well. Um, and she's the reason I broke up with a very toxic relationship and went back to North Carolina. And so I started hanging out with her a lot, talking to her a lot, and she really got me into it. Um, and that's kind of just kind of progressed over the years. I've watched different YouTube people um, that I connect with, um, do readings and whatnot, and really just see how things um, bring out my own intuition and kind of what I know to be true in my life. Um, and nice. then eventually I decided I just wanted to uh, get a deck of tarot cards. I started learning how to read tarot. I now have two decks of tarot cards and a deck of oracle cards. Um, I pull one like every single morning just trying to connect to those cards, learn a little bit more about them, a little more about myself. Um, and then I just use them to kind of, um, you know, going throughout your day and going throughout life and going throughout this society – you're bombarded by all of these images and all of these words and uh, different expectations from people and, you know, different ways of life. And uh, it can kind of like cloud your judgment or cloud your mind sometimes. And so I like to use tarot to kind of clear all of that out, really hone in on my intuition and use it to guide me in what I kind of like already know to be true, but it just kind of like brings it to the surface. Um, gotcha. Um, astrology, I just find very, very interesting. If anyone hasn't ever had their um, astrology, their birth chart read, highly recommend looking at your birth chart. Um, there's a website, astrocafe.com, that will break down basically the entirety of who you are. Um, some of it will connect now. Some of it will connect with who you used to be. And some of it won't connect because you're not that person yet. Um, but it's, it is insane how much truth there is in I guess what I want to, I don't think you can call astrology like a science, a study, I guess. Um, but it's amazing. I just, I'll read things and look at things and I'll be like, wait, that's like super true. And, oh, that happened. And I've had Kyle predict things um, in my life multiple times. Um, and I highly recommend him as well if you want any tarot readings. So it's, it's super fun. It's so much fun just to look at and be like, oh, my gosh, that connects with me. And, oh, you're a Capricorn, too? And, like, once you start to kind of, like, learn things, then you'll see, like, I'm sure you and I, Scott, do multiple things, like, either of the same thing or in the same way or somehow right. have, like, the same personality traits. Um, so I fully believe it. And if anyone out there doesn't, and, you know, I recommend just look into it every now and then. There you go. I love it. I agree 100%. Very cool. Well, let's get into your hey. acting. We have about 10 minutes left here. I want to talk. This was cool. a – Huge start to a year for you. Um, thank you, oh COVID-19. Uh, yeah, talk right? about the year that was and what, what projects ah. have been put on hold and, and talk about some things that you have done that you're excited about. Yeah, for sure. Um, so this year, 
I mean, it just just like you said, it started off so well. Everything was on an upward trajectory, and then the universe was like, "Hold up a minute, just gonna make sure everything's in line real quick before we take care of this." Um, so in the middle of January, I filmed my first TV show, um, which is an episode of Betrayed, which you can find on Investigation Discovery. Um, it is it was set to premiere in the middle of May. But obviously, because of COVID, it's been pushed back, and it should be premiering in the middle of June now. Um, so I'm, high, I'm definitely on the lookout for that. I'm very, very excited to see that, as it was my first, like, network television show that I'm doing. Um, back in December, I did a, uh, a voiceover for a documentary about um, LGBT history and um, the AIDS oh, wow. crisis. And, um, yeah, it was very interesting. It was a bunch of different... Um, letters that I guess had been written into the Playboy forum about um, the AIDS crisis, how that was being handled, the injustices that were happening, the discrimination that was happening. Um, and it was really, really cool because I got to read these letters out loud um, that, you know, um, people from the past had written and actually gone through. And it was a really great way for me to connect with, you know, uh, the history of the LGBT community. So I don't... <laughs> I feel terrible, but I have no idea when that comes out. Um, I need to get in touch with them so they can let me know. <laughs> but the the project that I was super excited, I was literally, uh, okay, so um, I was cast in a film in August, no, July of last year. Um, and for various reasons, it was pushed back and pushed back, and then it was set to film um, this March that just happened. And so March... 19th, um, you know, mid COVID and everything, they, we were still good to go. We're filming um, in New Mexico. And as far as everyone knew, New Mexico was very, very safe and still didn't have many cases. So I flew out to New Mexico. And then three days later, they postponed the filming. Oh, so no. I was, oh my gosh. It was the worst. It was like a dream come true and then just taken right out of my hands. Uh, fortunately, wow. they have they have a plan to get it back up and get it going, um, and they're working as hard as they can to get that um, started. Um, so that I'm on the lookout for. But I also just last night we had the premiere of a comedy series um, that I'm a part of, um, which is called Figuring It Out. It takes place in Los Angeles with a group of 20 year olds, 30 year olds, a very very diverse cast. Um, as far you know, like across the board, as far as religions and races and sexualities and gender identities, it's just there's all of it. Um, nice premiered last night, got very very good uh, feedback and comments about it. Um, and yeah, so now we're just on like our Kickstarter. I get I can't call it a Kickstarter because I think that is a um, trademarked or like branded term, but it is a fundraiser to uh, raise gotcha. the rest of the money in order to film the series and then once Hollywood is kind of back up and running they plan to pitch that to a couple different networks um, so I'm super excited for that congratulations that sounds great thank you Thanks. anything else that you're, you're, you're looking for anything on your I, I know I saw that you were doing some self tapes while you're, while you're in downtime here anything that you're hoping to book coming up that we can put out some good vibes for? Um, literally anything. 
kidding. Um, there is, I feel like that's, I feel it's so interesting. I feel like that's how I used to be as like an actor. Um, I was like, just any, just give me anything. I'll do anything. I'll be anything. And then as I kind of like realized who I am and what I want to be doing, I'm like, mm, I don't have the, like the clout to kind of pick and choose everything I want to do yet. Um, but I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm still, you know, I'm looking into, you know, uh, doing more drag and perfecting my drag. Um, character and persona, getting that out there more. Um, but then I also kind of want to do, you know what I love? I love comedies. Absolutely love comedies. So I would love to nice. do a, like, um, oh, what is that word? Mm, an ensemble show. Like Schitt's Creek. If I could have been on Schitt's Creek, I would have absolutely died. Uh, Parks and Rec is my favorite show. Oh, I know, right? The comedy there is just absolutely hilarious. Um. You know, anything, oh, but then also, like, anything with some good value that can, like, change some lives and, you know, we can get down to, like, some deep um, emotional or social issues and whatnot um, and kind of just bring light to stories that either haven't been told or, you know, need to be told in different ways. Um, yeah. Very anything nice. Of that I like it. Thanks. Well, you are so talented. I, I want you to give your social media here in a second. I kind of was scrolling through a bit. You did an amazing monologue not too long ago that I loved. Um, Thank you. You're very talented, my friend. I'm looking forward to a great year ahead once we figure out what's happening here. Excited. I cannot wait. Which, which monologue did you watch? You were at a dining room table and kind of talking about a slice of life. It had to do with, at the very end, it was something like, the roommate and cleaning up and just, I don't know. It was, it was a whole slice of life thing, yeah. like a two minute one. It was, it was amazing. Amazing. Thank you. Loved it. I actually wrote that. Did you really? That's great. I did. Yeah. So thank you. I'm glad you watched that. I did. I thought it was fantastic. Well, let everyone know where your social media is, where they can find you. And uh, we'll have them be on the lookout for Mr. Brett Aaron Nichols. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm mostly on Instagram. It's where I post like everything basically. And then it's connected to my Facebook. Um, and then I have a Twitter, but like, I don't understand Twitter. I don't know how to use it. So whatever. <laughs> All right. Nobody does. There you I'm go. Just, like, I don't know. I don't know how I'm not, I'm not the person to come up with those like small, quick little like worded things. So I just stick to Instagram, but um, you can find me at Brett. Aaron Nickel, that is B-R-E-T-T-A-A-R-O-N. And if you get there, you can usually find the rest of it. It'll pop up. But if you don't, Nickel is spelled N-I-C-O-L, Brett Aaron Nickel. Um, my Facebook, I believe, is attached to that, facebook.com backslash Brett Aaron Nickel. Um, I, think that's it. I think that's it. There you go. Well, Brett, it's been amazing talking to you. We're going to have to have a coffee or a cocktail when I get to L.A. in about a month and a half. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Let's do I it. enjoy having you on. Thanks so much Thank for taking so the much time. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. Well, stay on the line for me. Guys, we're going to play out to a little Blair St. Clair, Call My Life, yes. in preparation for our Drag Race recap tomorrow night. Uh, and oh, Blair is going to be on All Stars. That's going to be exciting. So here's a little Blair St. Clair. I'll be back on the other side. We're going to have – my interview with the amazing Chad Campy out of Minneapolis. You listen to Left to Straight show right here on the Left to Straight Radio Network.
Every day is a busy tone And I hear it Cause it's calling by your voice Unknown Gotta filter, it's all for show You believe it But you never really know I know And you're never gonna
All righty, guys, we are back. That was Miss Blair St. Clair with Call My Life. How exciting are we that she's going to be on All Stars that was just announced this past week? And speaking of drag events, guys, my next guest has to be one of the coolest kids on the planet. His love for drag girls all the way through Gordon, Golden Girls is made for some of the must-do events. With the Golden Girls cruise this past year that was so popular, they had to get a bigger boat. And his drag brunches have been the Toast Minneapolis and the virtual shows and new talk show with our buddy, the legendary Frank DeCaro, are becoming the thing of legends. So please welcome to the show for the very first time, Mr. Chad Campy. Chad, how you doing, buddy? Good. How you doing? I am doing amazing. I'm so happy to have you on the show. You are popping up on my radar all over the place. I am such good friends with uh, Frank and with Stan Zimmerman and, of course, uh, Jim uh, Colucci. And you're doing some amazing work, my friend. How are you doing? Yeah, no, we, we've been going at it since 2011. So it, all, all of our work and everything has come together. So it's been exciting to offer all these exciting events. Well, you do such a great job. We're going to talk about all of them in the future. Give everyone, uh, I mean, we're in Corona 2020 right now. Talk about how that's affected you. You seem busier than ever. How are you holding up personally and everything? And then how is this creating with the business with all these Zoom events and great streaming events you have going? Yeah, so we were actually quite busy before this. Uh, my prior life, I was an elementary school teacher for nine years, and then I ran a nonprofit for three years, and I started Flip Phone in 2011. And for those who are listening who be, may be wondering, why is it Flip Phone? What is Flip Phone? It started out, one of my friends uh, passed away in the year uh, 2011, and I wanted to do a party to remember them by. And we both were huge Mariah Carey fans. And so one morning I woke up and I said, I want to do this party called Flip Phone and celebrate the music of the Flip Phone era, which I coined from like 1996 to 2006. And so we were friends with uh, somebody who owned a local bar here, and they gave me a Wednesday night to do our party. And so we did it, and we got 75 people to the party on the first night. And I was like, yes, beer money. I think the cover was like $3. And <laughs> from there, we really, we really built up what Flip Phone was. Uh, then that became a monthly that moved to Thursday. We introduced our first drag act when we had a Robin-themed night. And then uh, from there, I was like, I always loved Dolly Parton. So I said, I want to do some sort of Dolly Parton event. And I knew that a Dolly Parton event would not be as popular at night. So we did our first ever drag brunch. And fast forward, now we're doing five drag pre-COVID, we were doing five drag brunches a weekend in Minneapolis uh, and had 40,000 people come to drag brunch in, on top of doing gigantic dance parties with 1,600 people and drag shows and then the Golden Fans Cruise. So we were, we were producing about 30 events a month. It was kind of crazy. Yeah. And now that COVID is happening, uh, we're trying to keep that up. Uh, my main goal for doing these events is working with uh, m mostly local performers, but also uh, national and international performers as well as a chance to get them some income because they have all lost their income and a lot of them are unable to apply for uh, unemployment because of their, their work status. And so we've moved these all online. Well, it's been amazing to watch, and you have done some great events, and people are really stepping up. I mean, the LGBT community has done it in the past, and they're really, I think, coming to the forward of this event because I've been seeing some great, amazing uh, streamings from everyone in our community, and good on you for doing that, Chad. I mean, that's really great. 
Congratulations. Thank you. They've been a lot of fun. My favorite is um, every Saturday we've been having dance parties, and we have now a core dance party crew. So it sounds weird at first, but you turn on your camera in your uh, living room, and I play the music, and you dance around and share your camera, and then we spotlight different people during it. And so it kind of feels like it's like the Jumbotron when you're dancing in front of everybody. And those have been really addictive and exciting for people because during COVID, people don't always have a chance to connect with other people. And so this provides that face-to-face connection that a lot of events are not doing because a lot of the events are doing great, but they're often one-sided where it's just watching a TV show. It's amazing. I love it. Let's get back a little into your personal background. Um, Talk about where did you grow up? What kind of a kid were you? And what did you first want to be when you grew up? Was it a teacher? Give me some background. Yeah, so I grew up in western Massachusetts in the Berkshires. And then when I was 14, I moved to outside of D.C. My mom got a job in Bethesda, Maryland. And as a kid, I really wanted to uh, be like an amusement park designer, specifically not, I knew I wasn't good with science and physics, but the person who would be like, oh, there needs to be more splash here on like a log ride or designing the lines. I was so obsessed with that as a kid. As a kid, I was kind of a fun, weirdo kid. My friends and I would sometimes like dress up and go to the bowling alley. Um, at the age of like 12, I was obsessed with Rocky Horror Picture Show. So kind of that weird, queer nice. theater kid growing up. <laughs> but also who could jump around. I like it. That is amazing. That's so cool. And when did you first come out to yourself and come out to uh, to others? Um, I first came out to myself probably at around like 16, no, probably young, younger, like 14 to 16. And then I came out to my um, friends at college, I believe my like beginning of junior year. So I was around 20 years old. So this was in the year like 2002. So it was a while back. And then to my family directly after that. And then my family has been very supportive and wonderful. And I've been with my husband now for 17 years. Congratulations. That is so cool. I love hearing that. I love it when a plan comes together like that. That is great. And how long have you guys been in Minneapolis? How long has that been your um, base of operation? Uh, so, yeah, I went to undergraduate college here when I was 21, uh, 18 at McAllister College in St. Paul. And then I never really left. I did graduate school in New York City for a year. But um, since then, I've stayed in Minneapolis and, and found this sort of my new home. Minneapolis is funny. They say um, they'll always know that you're not a native Minneapolis person your whole time you're here. So people still under, feel like I'm from the East Coast, even though I've lived here for 20 years. <laughs> I, I hear you. I, I feel the same way. I I think I told you off here. I'm a California boy. I was born and raised in California for 29 years. I've been banished to Northeast Ohio for the last 20, but I still feel like a California boy, uh, even though I'm in Northeast Ohio, but it's, you kind of, you, you learn from where you're, where you feel home. So I, I hear you on that. And Minneapolis has a lot of stuff going on. I believe um, my buddy Terry Ray and Mel um, England brought their play electricity to Minneapolis or St. Paul and did a fantastic play run there. Uh, lots of great support in the community. Talk about the LGBTQ community in that area. Yeah, we have a wonderful, wonderful scene for all types of queer stuff. Uh, one of the top drag scenes, I think, myself, it's, it's underrated for a lot of people. Uh, they don't know about it. Um, we have, I think, the third largest pride in the country, which is surprising. A lot of the people from all the Dakotas and um, Iowa come up to Minneapolis for that. So it's sad that, that this is postponed this year. And just a really huge queer population maybe we blame mary tyler moore for that who knows 
but uh, <laughs> but it's a great supportive community, and I'm just really lucky to be here and to have the support of the queers. And then great allies as well. Um, our brunches, everybody's welcome, so we have a whole wide variety of people. And as you may know, Minnesota was uh, important for the whole marriage uh, debate as we were the first state to, to go against the ban. Exactly. No, very true. I just uh, I read something the other day. I don't know if you read it, but they're amazing. And uh, I think it's Michigan City, Indiana, right up on the Lake Erie there. They are doing Saturday drag drag takeout where you, you order takeout from this restaurant that's gay owned and operated. And they have drag queens every Saturday to bring it to the car. It's absolutely amazing. Um, I, I just think people are being so creative with it. And the town is eating it up. They're just loving every second of it. So that's very cool. Speaking of Mary Tyler Moore, is that a rite of passage there? Do you have to throw your hat up in the air at least once? You have to throw her hat. There's a statue in downtown that people love seeing. Um, we're a town run by her, and Prince is the other other uh, hometown hero. That one of our home bars, we, we perform at and do uh, parties about six times a year. It's First Avenue, which is the club from Purple Rain, and so that we love the staff there. And it's been really hard that they've been closed for this time as well. Right. And you talk about all the prides being canceled this year, which is so sad. I think there's going to be a lot of virtual prides with everything you're doing. What kind of plans do you have for that? You're just doing so much great work. Do you have kind of a, are you putting, formulating a plan for yourself for that? We for sure will have virtual brunch and a pride dance party. Um, I've been working with a few different um, amazing sponsors, which I'm not able to announce quite yet. But hopefully we'll be doing a gigantic makeup contest with a big cash prize. So to have performers from all across the country submit photos and do a whole review of that. So just figuring out different ways to bring everything to make it creative online. But it's definitely uh, if you're looking for pride, definitely check up with us in the next few weeks. We'll probably be announcing that and having lots of fun because pride, even though it's not happening in person, we still have to celebrate pride and honor everything of who we are and where we've come from. Exactly. And it's going to be a tough year. I think one of the best things about pride is actually going to be with your tribe and, 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 and having that sense of community, but the virtual really does make you feel like you're not alone. I've talked to a lot of people over the past couple of weeks doing the show. And I think that's the hardest part is we have people stuck at home with families that might not accept them or roommates that don't really get them. And, Events like yours and these virtual things are really bringing them together and giving them a lifeline, I think. So I think it's really important to continue to do that, especially through Pride, right? Yeah, and one of um, our trademark fun events is we do a a children's dance party and story time hour every Thursday at 11 a.m. Central Time. And so that's been really fun to see kids come out and to have different drag performers read stories to kids. And that's been a great way to bring in the whole family as well to events. Fantastic. Well, let's finish up with drag, but I want to go to Golden Girls Cruise. I mean, I heard about this last year, and I think I'm the one that told, I I credit myself as telling Jim and Stan to get in touch with you because I knew they would be fantastic guests on there. Um, it It was booked so quickly you had to get a second cruise. Talk about that. What was that experience to create that and talk about how you felt it came off? Yeah, um, I've always been a Golden Girls fan since I was a child. used to watch it with my grandmother when it was on during the run. And we, for the last four years, have done successful Golden Girls bar crawls in Minneapolis, 
where we would um, get a thousand people dressed as the Golden Girls going bar to bar in Minneapolis, and it was just such a hoot. So we thought, what else can we do? Let's move it to the the big sea. So I went on for my husband's 40th birthday. We went on a Barracuda boat for his birthday. It was a bear themed. Our friend Matt, who runs Barracuda across the country, put those on. And there we met Cindy, who is a, a vacation planner. And so I told her my idea. And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe we'll get 30 to 100 people. Who knows? And so I wrote a little press release, shared it with my friend who works uh, for Hornet Digital, and he wrote a little thing. And the next morning, it was on every single news channel everywhere <laughs> uh, that it was so much that uh, we uh, filled up instantly, and then we had to do another boat. And so it was back-to-back sailings where we had 1,600 people come together, and it was fabulous. In addition to Frank and Jim, we had um, the Golden Gays in New York City, who are wonderful, um, who do impressions and a whole show based on the characters. We had um, Melinda McClanahan, Rue's sister, who came along, who was the sweetest, right. loving person who gave all of her time to her fans, Stan. We had a dress-up contest. We had a Key West bar crawl. It was beyond what we could imagine. People were so happy and so sweet. We were lucky. It was right before all this happened, and everybody got off the ships COVID-free, and uh, we are planning to do it again in April 2021 and then again in um, 2022, and people can find out about it at goldenfansatsea.com. That's fantastic. Well, I heard from both those guys and, and passengers alike. My buddy um, Adam Rothenberg from Call Me Adam blog in New York City was on the cruise as a passenger and loved it. I talked to both, like I said, Stan and to Frank, and they loved it. I guess you had bikers with you the first cruise. There's some great yep. stories coming off of it. <laughs> it just sounds like it was a great time. People really just connected all different types of people for their love of Golden Girls. And so that we had 95-year-old grandmas on board. We had uh, gay 18-year-old grandsons and their grandma coming together. So it was a whole wide variety of fantastic people, and we built a family. And a lot of them, I've heard, are meeting for weekly Zoom calls to connect with friends they made. So it's definitely lifelong bond. That is amazing. Now, this thing's blown up so much. And we got Betty White to do a Christmas movie this year. Are we going to get her for a cameo for an advertisement maybe for next year? I think you need to connect. One of the events we did was Betty White card making. So we sent her all the cards after the cruise. I asked if she could make a video to say um, hello to all the fans. But uh, her agent was very nice but wrote back and said that she wouldn't be able to do that. But I think after the success for this, we call it the Golden Fans at Sea. Be careful with uh, Disney's lawyers. Oh, there you go. Of course, of course. Very well. Well, I'm looking forward. I'm going to try to go next year. I couldn't go this year. I missed the first round immediately, of course, and then I had uh, plans where I couldn't go for the second one. But that just sounds fantastic, and I can't wait to see what's going to happen. Let's go ahead and start talking a little bit about these drag events. Where did your love of drag come from? What what kind of draws you to that medium? Yeah, the, um, I've always been really interested in performance or any type of performance. And there's a local bar in um, St. Paul called the Townhouse, which is now called the Black Heart, where I went in college and fell in love um, with this performer named Barbara Gordon, who performs, still performs there. And I remember she did um, shares, I Got You, Babe, but with Beavis and Butthead gigantic post, uh, puppets. Do you remember when uh, Cher released that with Beavis and Butthead in like the late 90s? And I was just blown right. away with her creativity. And so from there, 
uh, we started putting drag performers in our shows early on before a lot of um, a lot of dance parties had it before in the early 2000s it was either a drag show or a dance party it was never both and so we really um, it's something that I mean we did not invent it's been around for years but in the Twin Cities it wasn't happening at the time and so we started doing pop-ups where it was one or two numbers uh, at a specific show and that really drew a lot of people in and then we created uh, these drag brunches and the drag brunches here have such a loyal following and we're so lucky that we put up tickets for sale and they're gone in 30 seconds, depending on the theme and um, Queens from all the country want to come over because our uh, audiences are so great and treat them so well and tip everybody out so well that it's just such a party. It's in this beautiful space called union rooftop downtown Minneapolis, where it's a roof that can open or close depending on the weather. And it's a two hour event and we do three on Saturday and two on Sunday and with 166 people for each seating, and it just is beyond. People leave and say, I've never had that much fun in their life, so we're very lucky to have it. It'll be interesting to see post-COVID how we're able to return and the numbers we have, but we're not going anywhere. We will be back. There you go. I absolutely love that. That's fantastic. Um, And talk about, you talked about your connection with the Queens, and they're actually coming to you now. Talk about the different performers and what it's like to have to navigate all those. That's a, that's a lot of queens to, to keep on the leash there. Uh, how, how is that for your logistics? Who's handling all that? Do you do all that yourself? Yeah, I do pretty much everything myself. My husband helps a lot of day of. He's more the tech person. I've always been an organizer. Yeah, I think the big thing is people say, oh, queens, you have to realize that they're just people too, and you treat them like people. And we've worked with all the big queens, pretty much almost every single person who's been on RuPaul's Drag Race. We've had through Minneapolis, including Carson and Michelle and Ross, who have great relationships with, too. Um, And it's all just being humble and treating them how they want to be treated. Uh, One of the biggest events we did, uh, Fifi O'Hara, Jeremy Carey, and I organized was a Puerto Rico benefit three years ago after the Puerto Rico uh, hurricanes, where we had 20 RuPaul queens come to Minneapolis and perform a show. And managing 20 people, their pickups and drop-offs, and hotels and everything was what we raised. I don't even, it was a lot. I think $80,000 for Puerto Rico was a fantastic show. We had Katya, we had a Pandora box, we had Chad Michaels, we had Bob the drag queen all together on one stage. It was, it was fantastic. That is amazing. And congratulations for raising all that money. You're doing such good. Talk about, I mean, you watch the drag race, do you have time to watch Drag Race? Now, I think this is probably the best season I've seen in a long time. The, the queens are amazing this year, especially these top final six. Yes, no, I, I am watching it. Um, They're doing a great job this year. Tonight we actually have, uh, we're working with a college and have a private event where Heidi in Closet is performing tonight. So I'm excited to work with her. I've never worked with them before. But yeah, I am loving it. I'm excited for All Stars, uh, I think, that they're so I love Jada Hall. They're all great are left. Um and I think they did a great job producing it. And I the first celebrity drag race I was like, eh, but the last two episodes of Celebrity Drag Race I've really enjoyed. I keep forgetting to tape those and I can't watch on my computer for some reason, so I've not seen one of them yet and I'm a little disappointed in myself, but I, I need to get on the celebrity drag race. So very cool. You can skip, talk about you can skip the first one and then go to the the next two. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate all the help I can get on that. I will definitely do that. 
Let's talk about some of the events. I mean, last week, just for examples, you had a digital burlesque on Zoom. You had an Ariana Grande digital dance party. Talk about what you have in store for this week coming up. Yeah, Saturday night, we have our Spice Girls dance party. And those, as I was saying, those are the dance parties where you turn on the camera and dance. And then Sunday, we have our Fleetwood Mac drag brunch. And that includes Pandora Box from RuPaul's Drag Race, Dusty uh, Ray Bottoms from RuPaul's Drag Race, and Bitch Pudding from Dragula. And so if you're a Fleetwood Mac fan or American Horror Story fan, it's going to be incredible. And then Monday night we have, um, which I'm personally most excited for, our Janet and Mariah drag night. And that has Jaden Dior Fierce in it, and that has uh, Jiggly Caliente. So we got lots. To lots of things and you can find out all about those at facebook.com flip phone or follow us on instagram at flip phone events that's fantastic these events are so great and let's talk about that uh, a little bit about big wigs live you're working with frank to on that the flip phone events is sponsoring this amazing queens on it already i mean frank's book was to die for to begin with we talked about it last year but this is such a great match made in heaven between you two guys. How is it working out for you? Are you enjoying the, the, the finished product? Or what are you hearing about the show? Yeah, people are loving it. It's just a really chance to put three different types of drag performers, all drag performers, not just from RuPaul Drag Race, all different types together and talk about their inspiration, where they've um, come came from. And so people have really enjoyed that. Um, if you're really looking for some good entertainment, our episode with Meatball from Dragula, T-Rex from Chicago, and Tammy Brown is hilarious. And that is on <laughs> um, YouTube. We have them all on YouTube on the Flipstone page to watch past ones. We've had Ben De La Creme. We had Jinx Monsoon, Ginger Minge, Latrice Royale, uh, Varla Jean Merman. So just some of the biggest names in drag that are out there. And people are so nice to give a, a, an hour to us for the shows. And people uh, are able to Venmo tip that we split between everybody. And Frank is such a natural interviewer and such a breeze to work with. So that's been really, really fun. He is an amazing host. And together you guys are doing a fantastic show. Now, you're so creative, Chad. I mean, you, you have, you're busy with these drag brunches. Of course, you're going to be having more Golden Girls. It just sounds like you're always firing on four cylinders. What do you have in store for the future? Anything that's a dream project you're looking on working on? What I would really like to do once things are back to normal, it would be great to bring our drag brunches to additional cities just because I think that's our signature event and they're so fun. And I think that coming out of COVID by doing these events uh, where we're getting people all across the country will be coming out of this positively that we'll be able to go to new markets. So that's sort of one of my dreams. I also would love to eventually maybe write a screenplay or something fun as well related to my work in the drag world, because I think there's lots of stories and lots of ideas that could be fun to turn into television. Uh, We've also talked to a few reality TV. um, Bravo talked to us for a bit about producing uh, a show about our drag brunches as well. It could be fun. That would be fantastic. Well, I got to tell you right off the bat, just a documentary of all the great work you're doing screams at me right now, my friend. I hope someone jumps on that right away and we get a a screenwriter and producer on that because you're doing such good work for the community for your community for the entire lgbtq community so thanks so much for what you're doing my friend thank you and thank you for all the work you're doing for bringing out all these this queer content for everybody during these tough times appreciate that we'll give everyone again one more time before we let you go where they can find flip phone events and uh, give the website 
and give all the social for it, please. Yep, flipphoneevents.com. I have to update it. It's been harder to update the website during this. And then Flip Phone Events on Instagram and Flip Phone Events on TikTok, which my old self has figured out. We have like over 100,000 followers on TikTok. I don't know how or why, but we post really fun <laughs> stuff there. And then facebook.com flip phone is where you're going to find all your information about the events and you can RSVP. That's the best way to find your links to all the different zoom codes. And we announce everything two to three weeks. We just announced a Prince drag brunch in June that people are going crazy over. I can imagine. Oh my goodness. Well, I am going to uh, try to stop by. I do my big gay road trip every summer where I drive from Ohio to Palm Springs to do a month of live shows. So I think I may have to go up North this year and, stop by for something on my way through. That sounds like an amazing job you're doing there. And thanks for taking the time to come on the show. Thank you. Stay safe. All right. Stay on the line for me, Chad. I appreciate it, guys. We are going to play out with the aforementioned Ginger Minge, uh, who was on our show a couple of years ago. This is I Am What I Am. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight radio network. I am I am, I am my own special creation, so come take a look, give me the hook or the ovation It's my world That I want to have A little pride in My world And it's not a place I have to hide in Life's not worth a damn Till you can say, hey world, I am what I am. I am what I am. I don't want praise. I don't need pity. I bang my own drum. Some think it's noise. Well, I think it's pretty. And so what if I love each feather and each bangle? Why not try to see life from a different angle? Your life is a sham till you can shout out loud, I am what I am. I am what I am and what I am. One life, so it's time to open up your closet. Life not worth a damn till you can say, Hey, world, I am. 
All righty, we are back. Guys, I hope you enjoyed my guest tonight. Thank you so much to Brett Aaron Nickel out of L.A. and Chad Campy out of Minneapolis. Uh, give them both a follow on their social media. You'll be glad you did. And tomorrow, I have a big show for you. It's our fifth show of the week, last day t- uh, till the weekend here. Uh, coming up first, we're going to have our Friday Fitness Minute with our special correspondent, Jason Caceres, out of West Hollywood. He's going to have some fitness tips for you tomorrow night. Then I have two great interviews for you. The first one is with Shane Feldman. Shane is an amazing leadership keynote speaker. He's spoken for countries all over the world, including Microsoft, Disney, Google, Netflix, so many great things. He started his own um, mentoring and leadership corporation for young people and just does such great work. So be sure to look for his interview tomorrow. And then after him, we're going to have a great talk with actor, comedian, and writer Bill DePiro from New York. He's going to talk about what it's like to do improv and how his – and he actually lived – excuse me, grew up from not too far from where I'm at here in Northeast Ohio. So we had a good chat with him tomorrow. Be sure again to follow me on social media on Twitter and Instagram at left of straight, L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R and the number eight. Facebook, the left of straight show page. My page is Scott Fullerton. Uh, you, it's public account. So you can send me a friend request for it. You can check out everything and all of the previous episodes at the Left of Straight website, www.leftofstraight.com. Learn more about the Big Gay Road Trip. All that information will be up by Monday and how you can win some prizes along the way to that. So that's it. Had a great show. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you're having a fantastic week and ready to wrap it all up tomorrow on a Friday. We will see you tomorrow at 6 o'clock Pacific and 9 o'clock Eastern Time right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Have a good night. Bye-bye.